Hello, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. And uh, Henrietta, this week we are diving headfirst into a conversation that has come up here in partially, partially speaking. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna dive in today, and that subject is sustainability. Yes. We have, um, we've definitely spoken about sustainability in some way, shape or form, particularly as it pertains to your love for vintage and, and, and uh, you know, less is more in terms of consumption. Yes. We identified it as one of the most important issues in our industry today. But we wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive in this issue, mostly actually inspired by Earth Day, Earth Day. which was this past week. Which I thought was really, really interesting. <laughs> so, did how brands, <laughs> so did I. How brands were co-opting that to push more product, <laughs> but well, I guess we'll delve into that later. Yes. Um, and then that kind of ran concurrently with the anniversary of Rana Plaza in Bangladesh. That was an awful, awful incident where the building collapsed and killed Killing. over... 1100 people. people that was about six years ago was it it was the sixth anniversary yeah right. we have been having so many conversations offline about sustainability and a couple of questions like what does it even mean and quite literally what does sustainable fashion actually look like right <laughs> and i have to tell you henrietta that has been one of my challenges i you, sustainability is such a easy soundbite today and we all are or we try to be environmentally aware socially conscious and all of those sort of things but i have to tell you i have been finding a i've been finding it difficult to define this space of state of sustainability and when we determine to to cover this subject for this for this episode <laughs> in researching, I have to tell you, it became even more confusing in many ways. And when I say confusing, I mean that the definition, it seems, is ever expanding. You know, sustainability in a lot of people's eyes often, often speaks to the environment. But now, uh, in, in, in researching, I see that uh, people have embraced sustainability from human exploitation to your the environmental footprint and, and whatever in between. So I'm finding that it's about a humanistic environmental um, uh, concern and and you level that in all areas of your business and that's not a that's not a, a concise definition necessarily either but I have to say that is what I've been coming upon in digging deeper into sustainability now it's a bigger conversation is more encompassing of different uh, lanes and I hope that we can kind of get to a place here where at least we highlight what people are defining under the, um, the under the sustainability umbrella right now. Yeah, I think that it's becoming more defined in its evolution. I think it's an evolving term. Okay. And I think ultimately it can definitely be defined as sustainable practices, whether that's through production and supply chain, whether that's through human costs. So it's not sustainable to pay people nothing and have exactly. them be in awful work conditions like we saw in Rana Plaza, okay. like that is not a sustainable okay. working environment. Yes. Um, and I think it's important to hearken back to the word sustainability. It can, meaning it can last, it has, it's durable, it can last a long time. Yes, I think it's important exactly. to fall back on that word. And that is through recycling, upcycling, circular fashion, okay. the human impact, both from who's making the clothes, but also fundamentally like what is our relationship with consumption I think that's a really big part of sustainability that is probably less spoken about from a public facing standpoint well yes and I, I and, and I think that's huge and I'm not sure if we're gonna we're gonna dive right into this consumption consumption component right now but yes under there's a the big question that sustainability raises that how can you be considerate of sustainability and still carry on with business as usual in terms of consuming what you consume, buying however many water bottles a day, changing out your wardrobe seasonally, and so on and so forth. All of those kind of things surrounding consumption 
they all impact this conversation of sustainability. And, and realistically, because I think, not even I think, I know production, the, produ- the production side of things is really one half of the argument. I think ultimately there are a lot of elements that are diametrically opposed to the fashion industry, right? So when yes. you talk about fashion, it's fast paced, it's sexy, it's about newness, it's about um, the constant reinvention of one's look, one's aesthetic, oneself. Yes. That requires more stuff. But ultimately, when you talk about sustainability, you're thinking about conscious consumerism, you're talking about slow fashion, you're talking about buying less, which isn't necessarily attractive to the bottom line. So it's like fundamentally, how can we as an industry talk about a sustainable future when we're not talking about a consumer's relationship with consuming all of the goods? Precisely. And there is a, (laughs) there's something that's contradicting at that intersection right there. Well, let's talk about your, we're talking about recycling here. You you mentioned recycling. We're talking about the the lifespan, let's say, of garments. And I have to say, um, this wasn't the case before in discussing and researching the sustainability issue. But all of a sudden, I see that people are speaking about sustainability where... Um, buying resale is concerned, mm-hmm. where buying vintage is concerned. I guess I brought that up in our vintage conversation, but now it seems people are saying, why go out and continue to buy these new products that are just being manufactured just for this short life consumption? Um, resale, vintage is the automatic way to go. And if you think about it, Henrietta, look at all the products that are seasonally introduced. If nothing else, I think that there has to be a system in place for bringing those things back in and repurposing those things from a company. In many ways, I'm just going to throw off a sort of a loose percentage. I think like for a big company, 25 to 40% of their merchandise should be constructed from recycled garments. I really, I really do. I definitely, definitely agree. Um, I think one of the things that's really funny about um, circular fashion is that's been a term for a really long time because we've spoken about the cyclical nature of trends, right? It's the whole thing of it comes back around uh, every 20 years, the idea that it's vintage after 20 years. And Mm -hmm. so the idea that you would bring something back around a second time through a new product actually does seem really arbitrary when you could just bring back the thing that was before if it was quality. So I actually really love this idea. I think it's, there's a humor in it that's kind of magical, but I definitely think that's where the industry is going um, in terms of that being a bigger portion of it, you know, uh, resale, consignment, uh, the rental economy. The rental economy is huge. The uh, Rent the Runway has just had a billion dollar valuation. And I think that even through that unicorn status is going to inspire so many other copycat models in terms of... Well, I'm sorry to cut you off there, Henrietta, but what I actually find interesting is how these kind of companies, you know, rent the run with the rent, the renting economy was not also thought of, of uh, at least they didn't position it as a part of the sustainability movement initially. But I, I, I don't mind how the storyline has changed in the middle of the game. All of a sudden, a rent the runway is like, well, yeah, these garments are being worn multiple times. And in fact, this is a conscious way of consuming. And, and, I think that has really helped the bottom line for these companies. For sure. I mean, the inception of Rent the Runway specifically was definitely about um, being able to afford clothing that you might not be able to afford to own. Yes. And how can you have that newness? I, I think it was spurred on by like an Instagram culture of once you're photographed in something, you don't want to keep be photographed in it again. Yes. You don't want to spend you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars on that Oscar de la Renta look when you can rent it, wear it once and like have another Oscar de la Renta look. In you know, so two days. it really I think it was spurred from this kind of social media influencer, newness, everything that fashion is essentially predicated on at the moment. Yes. But yeah, it's definitely now um sort of shifted to be anchored by a more sustainable idea of where fashion should be going, for sure. But I don't think that's a bad thing I don't think I just think it's marketing I don't think it's a bad thing but I have to say I do whenever I think of this I I would be remiss if I didn't mention this point and that being you know it also could be a self-fulfilling prophecy too in that 
if you know that you can uh, change out a certain wardrobe from one season to the next, well, that can implore you to buy even more because you know that you can, you know, you will, you will essentially be able to get some money back on your returns. And so it could actually spur more consumption than lessen it in, to some extent, if you understand that point. You know, if you can keep buying and reselling, for example, like Gucci has a high resale value. So a lot of people, they don't mind spending these high ticket prices for Gucci because they know they can resell it right now and get, you know, 50% back. So in, in some ways, I think I, 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 have to, I have to make that point in that there could be a but certain... it could fuel more it can, consumption. It can fuel more consumption to yeah. some extent. But I think overall, I think it, it does stave off consumption rather than yeah, fuel it. You're not wrong. And I, I, I hear your point. But I think ultimately with that thought process, it's more about the end life of the product. So the idea is that you can consume a product and have it have a second life and a third life and a fourth life. So while no, it doesn't necessarily factor into the consumption problem uh, or the overconsumption problem, what it does do is it talks about where do those clothes go afterwards? They're actually not going straight into the landfill, exactly. which is really a part of the solution. Precisely, precisely. Another area that I also have uh, witnessed becoming such a significant part of this sustainability conversation is this whole plant-based movement. All of a sudden, veganism, vegetarianism, that has gone, that is like literally center stage of sustainability. People are like, well, in fact, eating meat, as they say, the farts of cows, creates more um, toxicity in the environment than anything else on this planet. So, in fact, the recommendation to, to move to a plant-based diet, based on that alone, has now all of a sudden become a sustainability, um, uh, a sust sustainability movement. Yeah, and I definitely think that that is a really powerful movement, you know, as it pertains to the climate change issue at hand. But yeah, from a culinary standpoint, definitely less meat, um, particularly less beef is advantageous. But as it pertains to the fashion industry, I don't know that brands are using less leather. Right, but that's why I, th that's why I think it's interesting. It's so, it didn't so much speak about the leather it spoke about the actual, it's about eating and how that impacts fashion in a way. It's almost like an adjacent, but yes, literally like being a it's, plant, like moving towards a plant-based diet because if we're speaking again, we're speaking about sustain, sustainability along the spectrum and they're saying, well, let's speak about the offenders. And now if the offenders are the farting cows, you know, to environmentally speaking, well, then you may want to consider changing that diet to be more plant-based and this will be a huge reversal of the negative impact on the environment. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that I would think is adjacent to the industry, because I think wellness at the moment is very adjacent and interlinked with fashion, particularly around um, how we're advertising and marketing and just the overall well-being of people and the industry. But I think one of the things that is interesting about that is that we're talking about the plant-based movement is really saying the output of that is not only an, an environmental one, but you live your best life and it's better for us all okay. as a whole, okay. which actually okay. this sustainability conversation is exactly the same thing. Like, I think a lot of brands get really nervous around sustainability because they think it's a ton of education internally it's changing it's essentially changing the infrastructure of your business of your marketing of your um of your production cycle of your, your distribution sourcing, the of sourcing but ultimately i think if brands can really drill down on a more sustainable level uh, on a more sustainable model and that could look like different things to different brands it ultimately will impact your bottom line not just will brands not just will consumers actually really value that. History will show that um, you're on the right side of this argument and you won't become obsolete as a brand. You'll be able to move with culture, which is always a plus. But you're actually going to be able to make more money because you're, you're demand planning. You're buying products that people actually want. You're not actually wasting because the waste, the environmental waste, the, the social waste, all of those things, are, it's also a financial waste, let's not forget. So I think that shifting to a more sustainable model is actually good for the bottom line. So just like plant-based is good, that the uh, output is really great for the environment, but also for the human. Yes. 
so is sustainability for, from a fashion standpoint. It's really, really great for the environment, but it's also really good for the bottom line. And I think that's really what people and brands really need to understand. It's an upfront investment, but the long-term effects are going to be really incredible. Well, I think that's the conversation. And this, I don't necessarily think brands have embraced that understanding where they're making, they're making preparations now for the future. And I have to tell you, I think that's why brands should, and this may not be the right approach, but I think brands need to get on the right side of this issue because consumers, I'm actually quite encouraged by how consumers are are thinking about this. Consumers are very, they're moving very aggressively and, um, and, 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 and quickly towards a more conscious consumption. It's not this willy-nilly thing as an aside um, for some consumers, but I'm seeing it as being a very center stage issue right now. It's not just an aside. I think that's true because ultimately I think there's power in where you spend your money and brands literally the industry is predicated on following the money so I think that change has to happen and I think even two years ago we we wouldn't really be talking about it in the way in the layered and complex way that it's being spoken about today because it was more of a it was more of a CSR issue it was more of an ethical issue absolutely whereas now it's really becoming an environmental issue it's becoming a political issue and it's becoming an economic issue and I think that's really where brands need to pay attention but the thing is your point on the economics you know I'm not sure that that is quite evident yet and uh, maybe you maybe you express that saying that the, the the that impact will happen down the line but you know how it is if the brands don't see the benefit the immediate benefits now are they going to embrace those changes for the results in the midterm? That's fair, but brands need to see the immediate damage. I mean, as the number two polluting industry in the world, it's really incumbent on the industry to be proactive before it's too late. And I think that's what consumers are really looking <laughs> no, at. No, you so, sound like me. <laughs> no, but I'm saying it's, I think, you know, is the level of investment going to pay off immediately? I think so. Are CEOs and uh, CFOs looking at things like that, I couldn't tell you. But like ultimately, I think it can't, and this is what we were talking about before, like it has to be an integral part of the business model. It cannot sit in CSI, it cannot sit in marketing because that's when it's surfaced, that's when it's untrue. And that's when you're basically pushing the tropes that up a big part of the problem. Like you can't have sustainability set in your marketing department. But wait, are you sure that this is not the equivalent of me asking Naomi Campbell for uh, an atonement? <laughs> I mean, in terms of brands and companies, like taking that position and really being rigorous about their position of sustainability. Do you for the for the for the future returns? Yeah, but do you think that? Do you the think we're there? Between the difference between a brand talking about sustainability on a really surface level and a brand actually really having a transparent and and honest look at their supply chain, their business model, and actually making changes to be sustainable. They're two very different things. Well, yes, but I think that that's the inherent issue surrounding this, the sustainability conversation to the extent of, for example, and you could speak more about this, um, like H&M. That would seem strange. H&M Conscious is called, right? Yeah. That would seem such a strange, and I think this is actually a perfect example, and I would love for you to kind of break this down a little bit with your perspective. You know, that would be a perfect example of, like, how can a brand like that try to co-opt the sustainability movement? They're the big, They're one of the biggest polluters. They're one of the biggest offenders in this fashion industry by virtue of how much merchandise they throw into it, but yet they are now trying to be on the front lines of this conscious consumption thing isn't that part of the problem i mean you could argue that any nugget of change is a, is is a way forward personally i mean personally i don't buy it because i don't know why the conscious collection is a really small fragment of their business and why they're not looking to change their entire infrastructure okay. to be conscious okay i think that their practices are insane But I do think that their days are numbered. I think Zara, Mango, H&M, I think all of them, their days are numbered because everyone is well aware, it's incredibly well documented, that fast fashion are the biggest culprits to the challenges that we're facing in the industry. And I think there is a slight shift to the renting economy, the resale Consignment. Consignment. Mm-hmm. Even luxury, the idea that you would spend a lot more on yes. one garment yes. and like let it live. So that's de- that's always been my 
whole thing to buy less. Yes. But buy really well. Absolutely. My axiom as well. That was really out of need because I've never had much and I've, you know, I don't have much space. I don't have much time. I've I've never had um, a lot of money. So it's never been a case of more is more is more. It's always been just like have what you have and make it last and know that you can pass it on to a family member or your daughter or something like that. But that's just, that's a, that's like a personal philosophy that I have. But I think that that is becoming more prevalent as um, I love issues. I love that old world and for the record I I have lived um, like that as well I've always by quality and have had my garments for so long very 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 long um, very long lasting and you know the people have spoken about the Europeans living this way and there is something very very attractive again and I have to say I've noticed that amongst my peer group that people are so interested in having less and, and having those those lesser things um, give greater mileage. And I think that with the kind of wider consciousness changing, I think that's also why brands really need to get with the program because ultimately, even from an inventory standpoint, like that's really problematic if you are holding a lot of stock that people don't no, no longer want to buy because that stock is being discounted um, and purchased at such a low rate, uh, low cost, that it's then just thrown away or left at the bottom of your closet, or it's being dumped in landfills, or it's being burnt. Loads of brands are like burning product just to get rid of the inventory. And so even as it pertains to demand planning, I think there's going to be a real um, a real uptick in... Um, is it bespoke? Like, what is it that it, where, um, like, almost on-demand planning, yeah, on-demand buying? Yeah, you could call it bespoke, yeah, yeah. You literally say, five people want this T-shirt. Yes, make these made this to order, yes. And I think, yes, made to order, sorry. My brain is <laughs> shut down. Made to order, I think, is going to be a, the, a big part of the future because I think that brands like H&M and Zara making a ton of clothes in really awful conditions not even knowing if it's going to sell because ultimately it's it's real time fashion that's really the um, advantage of a H&M they could take something that just became a trend and they could manufacture it and it could be on the shop floor within four days absolutely that's something that's really um, attractive for those brands but then when trends are changing so quickly Mm -hmm. on one hand and when people want less what happens to all of that inventory that's not sold? And so I think that on demand is going to be a really big part of this conversation. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting for me. It's going to be interesting for me to see how this all plays out at the Zara's and the H&M's. Is the activism going to take place on their store floor from the masses, let's say? Yeah, if you have money, you can, you know, you can work out, you could buy your quality clothes, you could do your less is more thing, you reduce the amount that you yeah. buy every season, and you're like, okay, no, I'm not spending, you know, $50,000 anymore, I'm only going to spend, you know, 1500 and I'm going to keep <laughs> things really economical. I'm just going to buy this $10,000 dress. <laughs> exactly, like, you can, you, you have more, you have more liberties, you have more choices then, but for the reasons why the Zars and the H&Ms have been so exponentially um, uh, successful, is because they speak to so many people and they speak to so many people who are very choosy and they want they want to be able to you know to buy something new every day if that's if that's what they desire you know what i mean at a price point that is accessible so are is this community is this audience not a community is this very wide swath of population going to come on board with a movement and start to think like, you know what, I love the price point here at H&M, but this wanton consumption, you know, where I come in every month and buy 15 pieces, I need to lessen this to two. You know, is that activism, is is this conversation um, in the ears of those consumers That's and are really they point. making the changes? That's a really good point because there definitely is an economic factor in here, much like the plant-based movement. <laughs> Precisely. Where it's very much like if you are a lower income family, let's say, you can't necessarily afford to eat vegan. You're feeding your kids McDonald's or you're feeding them what you can afford. And I think that the same could be said for um, certain fractions of people when it comes to fashion. I mean, the answer is it's all based around education, if I'm perfectly honest, because I think that knowing the true cost of what it takes to make your clothes is ultimately going to be the deciding factor Married with a couple of other things. So yeah, while that four ninety nine H&M t-shirt is awesome when you need a t-shirt mm. 
do you want to spend like a little bit more in a way that isn't as damaging? Now, I think that that is also a massive industry thing where I think once we all start getting on board with a more sustainable model, that will hopefully start driving prices down because more of us are doing it. And that can go some way to reconcile that issue. But ultimately, I do think that if you want to pay people fair wages and if you want clothes to, to not have the same pollutants and to use more natural dye, like that, those things do cost money. So to assume that um, the cost of sustainable goods is going to be driven down to a H&M price point, I think is unrealistic in the next few years. But I think the more of us that, that really get on board with this mindset, I think that could shift the pricing structure, hopefully. Um, but that's a really good point about the economic vantage point of people where they can't necessarily afford to buy all organic or you know and you know there's something that you said earlier that is almost a challenge to this as well there's a, there's there's there is a contradictory point in this in saying that uh consuming less is really really speaks as a sustainability movement but then we're speaking about the the h&ms and the zaras and the accessibility that those, you know, that those institutions have for most consumers and their growth and their co-opting of the issue, even in just a marketing kind of way, it just seems like it's an unwinnable, it seems like it may be in an unwinnable situation for the average consumer to get that education and ultimately to make the choices, um, you know, that are that are in the interest I of think, the environment. And but the I think right now, because right now they have such outsized power, I think as this movement develops, I think it's going to wane. I really do. And I think that's when things become more transparent and that's when things people really understand. I mean, we've seen that the arc of history throughout time has shown that, yeah, when people, when entities or, or movements or whatever have outsized power, it's very hard to establish what's the truth and and where are the advantages and where do the disadvantages lie? And as that power wanes, as the, the tipping point changes and the critical mass changes, I think that... It's, it's ultimately going to shift. So I'm actually really optimistic in terms of how people are going to find out the truth and like use that truth to impact their buying decisions and their consumption decisions. You know, while you're speaking, there's something that I just, I, I, I don't want to forget to state here. Did you see that Vogue, did you see that Vogue editorial over the last week? I was seeing it mostly on Instagram where they profile people wearing their old clothes. I remember seeing Mickey Boardman and a couple people. Did you see this editorial? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the reason why I bring it up is very much speaks exactly to this, but I would actually like your opinion on what you think this means. So they have all these fashion people shot in their home wearing their preferred old clothes. Uh, I mean, this is a, yeah, this is a part of the sustainability conversation. Oh my God, look at all these cool fashion people and they're interested in their 1997, you know, um, Helmut Lang as opposed to their uh, 2019 Loewe, you know, like th- that was a real, that was a real part and their profile. Many people, many people were profiled in this, but is that really a suggestion to be like, let's go back into our closets, let's rehash everything, let's put our spending on pause for a minute? I don't I, it it seems like one of those cosmetic efforts as well. Yeah, I mean, from a publication and academic standpoint, I think that's really interesting, like interesting people going into their going into their closets and, and talking about these storied pieces. You do that. You talk about shopping your closet all the time and going back to pieces that meant something to you 10, 20 years ago. And I think that's really interesting. I think that ultimately nothing is really going to change without really looking at our relationship with consumption. So... Yes. That's yes. 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 Ultimately, One, that's ultimately it. I think I said this. I said it on this podcast that you know, uh, lessening consumption. I don't remember the exact quote, but lessening consumption as it pertains to sustainability is is kind of the discussion. But you know, it's a very provocative thing to say. What do you mean lessening? We're in a capitalist economy. What do you mean lessening yeah, consumption? But we've seen that we have more clothes. I think we have something like four times more the clothes than the generation past, but we wear less than half of it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really Great crazy. Stats. Something like 50% of the clothes bought in a year ends up in the landfill. Oh. Like these types of percent, these stats aren't coming out of nowhere. No. Like it's overconsumption to the point of nauseam. So it's not an unrealistic ask for you to buy less. It's true. I just don't think it is. I think that we're... True. 
buying to fill a void or we're buying, you know, this kind of American dream retail therapy type culture that we've gotten ourselves into. And I think that's why even with marketing to your question of the H&M conscious line, which I'm not saying is marketing, although I largely think it is, those are the dangers of, of using issues and topics like sustainability as marketing because you're changing, you're carving out a narrative that might not wholly be true when it comes to educating yourselves and people really understanding what the facts are it's like if you're kind of throwing out numbers and throwing out facts that aren't entirely true but feed your narrative that allow people to look at the conscious line and not your other practices right those things are really dangerous and like it was really interesting even you know with earth day this week the amount of product that people were pushing in the name of earth day like i was like (laughs) i was like is this a joke like literally it was like it's Earth Day, get a free tote with every purchase. And I was like, are we on that? It, isn't it almost have no packaging with, or guess what? We turned off our econ, but still paid our staff. Exactly. Like, we, <laughs> That's Earth Day. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Like people are like literally giving away like 10% off for Earth Day, like this invitation to buy to more. more. And so that's what I'm saying. Like through this lens of sustainable marketing, asking and inviting people to buy more product makes no sense. It's counterintuitive. And so therefore we have to fundamentally look at what the issues are. Like we have to actually look at how are we changing our relationship with consumption? What is consumption filling a void of? Like, do we need to be more connected? Do we need, I don't know what the psychology or the the therapy (laughs) solutions are. Surely there is. (laughs) But it is, we need to really be focusing on why are we buying more stuff? Right, but but and and that's why we do a podcast like this because Henrietta, I'm not really sure that many people are asking that question. Like we we raise it on here, and I said it has gotten a very it, it's viewed as being very provocative, but no one is really speaking about this consumption issue. Here's the thing about this. So I've really been on this sustainability thing. You really also were a big instigator of really making me think about things differently because you've always, since I've known you, you've always been like, less is more, quality. I've had this piece for 25 years. Literally. I've been really interested in that mindset, but as it pertains to what I do and just not fucking up the planet Mm. um, with my chosen career path, I've been really looking into this for the deeply in the last year, definitely overarching for the last couple of years. And the information that's out there, like it's really a complicated issue. It's really layered. There is a lot of information out there. There's a lot steeped in academia. There is an intersection and layers that are political, economical, um, yes, with our fashion industry, but I mean, there's a racial component, there's a capitalist component, like it's so layered and complicated. And so to really actually distill all of that, to hone a personal opinion, because I think, listen, one of the beauties and curses about this is that there's no one solution, right? Right. Sustainability can look different to everyone. It's a collective issue that requires collective action, but it's also on an individual level, like I might just choose to to only buy resale or to do rental, or you can just choose to like, not use any plastic like we can all make contributions on an individual level no matter how small but I think ultimately the way in which brands are distilling this information is going to be really key to like prompting people to find out more so I think that marketing and advertising do play a really large part in how these brands are are really talking about this issue and it cannot be smokes and mirrors. Well, it can't be smokes and mirrors when we have like a young woman like a Greta Thunberg. Are you familiar with her? Okay, so I mean, she's literally a 16-year-old climate activist who's really, really putting um, action where her words are. You know, she's taking uh, X amount of hour train to Davos to go give a speech there. She's riding her bike, talking about, um, you know, palm oil production and all those kind of things. And I think, you know, you you just spoke to the power of the individual. I think if nothing else, like a a young woman like this, who's been able to get so much attention to to, to this pertinent issue of sustainability, climate change, and so on and so forth, she, someone like that is really showing the power of what one individual can. And I think when you look to the young generation, especially the very young generation, and to see how um, aggressive and bold 
and 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 active she is about about this issue, you can only get emboldened yourself to do to yeah. to, to to do your own um, participation, to participate think, in your own way. And I do think that's a really exciting part of this challenge because I think that we're so used to a top-down approach, you know, when brands change their exactly. attitude, when the CEOs oh. come around to this way of thinking. And I think that what we're showing is that on a community level, um, we can make, we can impact change. And I think that the younger generation is really now being mobilized to spearhead that. We see that with the gun law, um, the, um, the activation gun. around the gun laws Absolutely. in the US, because you've literally got these kids who are like, hello, your decision making makes no sense. sense. Like we are literally <laughs> being impacted by this shit, but we can't even vote. Like we can't drive cars. We can't like, we're not even doing any of this stuff and we are being impacted, mm. but we are the future. So you need to listen to us. And I really love the way that it's really like a no nonsense, you know, cause there's with, even with Greta, like there's something really simple and graceful about the way that she speaks that it's really hard to argue with like the same with kids around the gun laws it's like (laughs) when you break it down to the lowest common denominator exactly from someone who is so young but Mm -hmm. intelligent enough to understand that this is wrong like what can you really say as like a ceo who is in charge of your complete production um and you know as as cfos and as design directors and how can you say no as consumers? How can you how look can at you? her and what she's saying and her message and tell her that and we're going to ignore that? And you can't spin a, a girl like that. A girl like that is very astute to what a spin is as well. So no, when this when this kind of challenge, when you're faced with this kind of challenge from a young woman who makes such clear sense, yeah, it forces you. It forces you to pay attention and hopefully forces you to make some changes. Have you dove into this like B Corp certification thing surrounding the the companies with their with a you know a strong sustainable position? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if that kind of certification uh, will become some sort of standard. If that would help, if if companies will want to be a part of that movement in such a, by it's like the organic movement by having that 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 particular stamp, and that would help accelerate the process. I don't I know. I think we'll see offshoots, and I think that um, brands, newer brands, are being conceived and started now but really the biggest culprits not to kind of perpetuate this blame culture but a lot of the biggest culprits are the gigantic corporations so I think that a lot of that change needs to happen there and obviously B Corps and and newer brands like I think that even designers on an individual level become like they're a course is about like how do you design um, with a more kind of conscious sensibility? How do you look at recycling? Like even on a really basic level, like how do you educate? So when you say that this item can be recycled or is biodegradable, biodegradable, like those things only count if you dispose of them the right way. Exactly right. Right. So <laughs> saying something's recyclable, like yeah, that that might prompt someone to buy it, but then if they still throw it in the bin, right. it still goes into the landmine. Okay. So like, I think that people are really, on an individual level and on a designer level and an independent business level, like are getting a lot smarter and a lot better at the communication element well, and that, infusing that into the larger business model. Well, then all the more reason then why people, and this we don't always speak in this way on this podcast, but that may um, be a reason why it should slow down really, really, really drill down with your brand and your company and see what the best practice is. Because in many ways, you know, the the policing out there is so significant. You're not really in a position to get this wrong. Like, if you're going to do it, take the time and be honest about it. Be honest about what your company wants to commit to. It's it's um, integral to this company DNA or whatever the case may well, be. Well, that's the excuses now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that H&M and Zara are like, we're on it. We're just thinking of our best solution. But you're right, because I think a lot of uh, a big fear for brands is being indicted. We are in an environment where you can't really make that many mistakes. And I think that this uh, solution requires... It's an it's an iterative process, or I can never say that word. Yeah, iterative. Yeah, um, process which requires change and pivot and making mistakes. And in an age where you cannot really make a mistake in this kind of troll social media call out culture, I think that's also like a lot of brands are looking to each other to be like, okay, who has the plan that we could just follow? Okay. And I think that kind of waiting to see who goes into the pool first 
could be problematic because then you're just, it's a waiting game, which we don't necessarily have given that the rate at which we are diminishing the planet. And here's the thing. I don't think it should be a waiting game. I think that you, you as a company, you should look at your company values, um, look at how the marketplace is evolving, look at what your consumer base is interested in and how they, you know, what their, their, their psychological profile is at this time. Look at your consumer value or look at your, what values? Um, your company values. Well, the company values are ultimately reflected by the consumer values. Well, well, okay, well, fine. But I'm saying, let's let's say it's just a matter of updating, looking at where you are, not manufacturing, but updating, looking at how consumers are thinking differently. They're they're demanding more from their from the companies that they patronize. They're demanding that their companies, the companies they patronize, are more responsible, you know, and so on and so forth. So therefore, therefore, if the consumer is looking in this way, the company has to be very very, very, and they're, they're also unforgiving, the company has to be very honest about how they are positioning themselves in this age. And I think in the, I think what we've been speaking about as well is that a lot of companies just seize upon a marketing ploy as opposed to like a real vigorous overhaul. It, it doesn't have to be vigorous, but an overhaul. It does need to be vigorous. Or vigorous, but it, it's something in the company that is um, real to it and that is changing to reflect the times that we're in. And I have to, I mean, here's a company that I don't think has ever come up in our conversations on this podcast, and that being Patagonia. Uh-huh. Let's talk about a sustainable company. I mean, I have to tell you, I think Patagonia is the bar in this conversation. They, has been, they have been sustainable from the beginning, and they have only worked over the last, I think, 40, 30 to 40 years to fine-tune their strategy to be more environmentally conscious and more environmentally responsible. That's a company right now who is also they 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 went back private again so they didn't have to deal with like you know the shareholders and 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 where things had to uh, revenues had to increase exponentially see um uh season in season out from one quarter to the next a lot of those unrealistic business practices that are that comes with this with this uh free market economy just does not speak to to real sustainable practices and a patagonia that is a company that has respected the environment and I have to say, 40 years later, probably have a more vigorous um, uh, a business plan than they ever have in ways of Absolutely. making sure the practices are best. And talk about brand affinity. I mean, they're one of the most respected brands in the world. You know, their brand is really based around their products that live in the world. It's about being out in the world in a being, way that isn't okay. necessarily as... Um, doesn't necessarily correlate as well to selling people things that they don't need. So I think that yes. just the the motto, and I, I've said it probably about 20 times in this episode, but it's about less, 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 and slowing down, which I think ultimately, whether we're talking about designers and the health of designers and them okay. being burnt, burnt out, yes. whether we're talking about, um, you know, brand... Um, issues like you know the H&M like the racial issues with Prada and H&M and um, other such brands it's like if people just slowed down like this need to just get stuff off exactly Exactly. I think it's causing more problems than solutions so I think that ultimately there is a need to slow down to make less collections to make less stuff to really honor the health of the planet the health of the, the people that that are working to make the clothes from a production standpoint, to make the clothes from a creative standpoint. Like I think that all signs point to this idea of slowing down and really having a different dialogue and a different relationship with and the com- consumer. Compassion and compassion in this whole in this whole conversation. I mean, I think that if business people, if just individual, if we just thought compassionately about this whole process of how a garment gets onto our body, if we really were considerate of all the steps, I really think that would make that would have us make different decisions or at least question some of the steps along the way. Mm. I don't think compassion necessarily play into our consumptive mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast this is 
probably one of the most ongoing conversations that we'll have because it's just too big of a topic to talk about in any one or two, ten episodes. Well, it's too big, but it's also, I have to tell you, and I think one of the reasons why we got here is everyone is talking about this, Mm -hmm. you know, in some way or fashion, you know, I, not to say that everyone's having robust conversations about this, but this is spilling off everyone's tongue. I have to tell you, I'm going to London next month and to to do some business and a very prominent uh, investor, she was just updating me on her portfolio and her entire portfolio Every business that she's currently invested in has some significant feature of that of that of their business plan being about sustainability. Every every investment. It really is the future and I think that what's really 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 great is that I think even 5 years ago brands had to be convinced that sustainability was an integral part of um a brand's or business agenda, yes. right? That's not the question anymore. I think everyone is well aware of the environmental impacts of this industry. I think now that the questions are, what are the solutions and how can we contribute to it? My hope is in a meaningful way for actual meaningful lasting impact yes. and less of a um, brand halo effect of we're saying it and we're doing it right. by more of our stuff. Right. But I think everyone's well aware that um, there is a shift that needs to happen. And so it's now about trying to reconcile and figure out like what are those solutions and how do we get there quickly? Because we're really um, punishing the environment at an alarming rate. So I think to that to that point of um, the investor, I think people know that it's the future of fashion. They know that it's good business. Yes. I think... We're just not clear on what that looks like. Well, and exactly. And I, and again, that's why we're discussing this issue in this forum, because while it's so topical, we're not really clear on the full big picture of it at this time. It's I don't think there's going to be a, one solution or a handful of solutions. And I don't know that it's going to ever stop evolving. I think that even the term sustainability will look, feel and seem very different in 10 years. I'm just really hopeful that everyone just starts pulling together because I think it's a lot about collaboration as well. I think that um, this kind of every brand is an island idea of of solving towards it isn't really going to work. While people and brands and corporations can do things on an individual level, I think that it's really going to be about collaboration, not just inter-community or inter-industry, but outside of that as well. Like there has to be, we can't have passive governments, we can't have lax policies and laws we have to look at the food chain we have to look at different culinary endeavors we have to look at and i know you are not big on good enough you're saying that if you're going there damn well overhaul this whole thing good enough from a marketing standpoint my whole thing is just if you're going to be about it like actually be about it Mm -hmm. and i i've you know i'm i'm privy to some um like brand marketing practices and I I think that you know saying something is different to being about it and I think that in that sense I'm like if you're going to be in be all in but yeah I think that it's only advantageous for brands to be all in and not just kind of I agree mess about I agree and I have to tell you um as an aside it's been really fun these days working with brands and helping them to to think, to drill down on this subject, to real, to really, to really think about it. Some of them haven't thought about it. Some, some of them um, already have it as a component of their business. But it needs, it needs to be just more sound. Um, but it is something that every brand that I'm communicating with is communicating about. A hundred percent. It's one of our, the biggest issues of our time. It's definitely in the top three items of every company's agenda. I'm pretty sure. I just think that the path to winning is a treacherous one, so. <laughs> okay, well, on that note. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, yeah, that's not, that's not not optimistic. I'm just being realistic. But. Well, Henrietta, we will be coming back to this issue more than once again. And um, we... I want to talk to more people about yeah, it. Yeah. Because I, would, I think yes. education is key. Abs- like, for everything that I've read, I think there's nothing about really talking to experts and people who are doing the work. And I just think that it would be great to have some people come on to really talk about no doubt this topic as a whole, but also drill down on like really specific 
like we must have covered about a hundred things that in and of themselves are their own topics that need drilling down on. Absolutely. So I think there's a lot there to unpack. Actually, before we sign off, this is neither here nor there, but I just remember going to a sustainability conference in um, Kuala Lumpur. And this was about, I don't know, maybe about eight years, not even 10 years ago. And it was it was these you know story models and these fashion luminaries of Ateba, but one of the takeaway that one of the takeaway for me from that event, <laughs> as I said, I don't know if it's either here or there, but they were just talking about what you can do individually to help you know the planet. And I remember a girl, this model, her name slips me in the moment. But she's just like, you know what? I take only three minute showers every day, wherever I am. And that's what I do. That's what I do in this in this movement. I just took three minutes. And I gotta tell you, as I said, this happened nearly 10 years ago. And I still, while I don't take three minute showers, I do, and she also was just like, when I'm brushing my teeth, I make sure that that water is turned off. Like all of those kind of things that may seem like throwaways, that was one thing that stayed with me from that conference and there are myriad examples of those other things of other things that an individual can do that can make a small change that ultimately can link up to a bigger change so i i i have to i felt like it was important to sign off with that and saying that you know a little thing just a little small thing while i want to eat less meat i think about that every time i'm putting meat into my mouth and so eventually i will eat less because i'm conscious because i think that with everything out there it's super overwhelming you're just well i'm not gonna what am i gonna be able to do and i think you know even the smallest change accumulates and ladders up to a larger shift and so i think while it can be a very overwhelming conversation or a very overwhelming thing to you know drill down on or research on or talk about or try to implement change something as simple as refilling your water bottle and not buying a bottle oh, of water huge. can make all the difference huge. and so I think that that's probably a re- you're right that is a really great takeaway to end this episode because I think that you know is it Tesco's every little helps oh, I, I don't know if it's Tesco's but it, it works <laughs> um, so yeah well on that note we will see you the next time bye ciao Time for something